Man, there's so much faith. You know, when we prayed into this quarter, and we just felt like the Lord said it's the quarter of faith. And, man, it feels like it's only building. And it's like what uh, Sano said last night. Man, we're only in February. <laughs> kind of puts a in greater fear of the Lord to think, you know, all these words about this year and what God's going to do. It just becomes real when you're hearing and being a part of the things that we are. And, you, you know, that we use certain words like epic. And, and pretty soon they just seem so stupid compared to what you're actually experiencing. And for the, you know, it's like after this end, it's hard to explain it. You're kind of just like, awesome doesn't work, epic doesn't work, you know, like all of those, you're just kind of going, God, it's just God, I, only God, you know, and so it's just, I just want to even, as I was talking this morning on holiness, and it's the invitation of God, that's really what all of this is, it's not about, you know, getting it all right, but it's about responding to the invitation of the Lord into this hour of history and going, man, again, God put inside of me what he needed on the earth in this time, which is awesome. Well, guys, I'm going to jump back into the teaching that I was working on yesterday with you. I'm kind of switch gears for a minute and finish this up and then kind of see where we're at on time, take some more questions, and we'll go from there. So we went through yesterday um, faith, healing, and miracles, and so we just have three more to go through, and then I'll move into a few other things on that. All right? You guys good? Okay. So the last three of the nine gifts we have up here is the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. And those three are what we call the vocal gifts, and they're the way that God uses to supernaturally speak and build up and strengthen and encourage his people in his church. So oftentimes when we see these gifts... The, first, the, the six that I talked about already, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith healing miracles, we really see them used more outside of the church, actually. Really around the harvest, around the lost, around, we, use, we see these in operation more in the place, on the field, all of that. But there's other three, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, we often see these more, they're to be used more inside of the body of Christ. Now, when I say church, I mean us. I don't mean a building or a literal church, but what I'm talking about is us. So the vocal gifts, again, is the way that God wants to supernaturally speak, build up, and strengthen and encourage his people. So the gift of prophecy is a supernatural word given to you by the Lord in a language that you know how to speak and understand, and under the anointing of God to bring encouragement, strengthening, comfort, edification. And so this gift is usually used in a corporate setting to give a word to a body of believers. So we use the word prophecy, and the actual word prophecy means to foretell or forthtell. So it's very similar to the word of wisdom. It's more about how it's used. And so when people that, you know, we all hear God. We all agreed on that already. Everyone can hear God. But some people hear God for a corporate meeting. For a group of people. That doesn't have to mean necessarily a, just a, a church. It can mean a school. It can mean a business. It can mean lots of different things. But it's where you are hearing from God to give a message to a group of people. And so when we see the word of wisdom, 
A word of wisdom can fit inside of a gift of prophecy, but really it's saying, here's what the Lord is saying, what I believe the Lord is saying. Here's what I believe the Lord wants to do. Here's what I believe the Lord is going to do. So it's similar and then it has to do with the future. It can also look like, you know, this is what's happening in, in, in the room right now to, you know, this is what's been going on for the last 10 years, but here's what I believe the Lord wants to do in a corporate setting. So that would be the gift of prophecy. It in, in the how we use that. So now the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues are equal to the gift of prophecy. So the gift of tongues, so we all can have a personal prayer language, but only some people receive the gift to be used, to be spoken out in the same way that we would if you had the gift of prophecy. So the gift of tongues is a supernatural spoken word given by the spirit-filled Christian proclaiming in a public meeting a message from God in a language unknown and not understood by the person giving it. It is always used in partnership with the gift of interpretation of tongues and has nothing to do with the mind or intellect of man. So someone that has the gift of tongues, it would be that you have your prayer language, but at times the Lord will ask you to give a word a public word, after you've asked permission, we'll get to the protocol in a minute, in a language that you do not know and you don't understand. So now the gift of interpretation of tongues is a supernatural unfolding by the Holy Spirit through the believer, the meaning of a message in tongues delivered in a public meeting so that the church can be encouraged and built up. It is not the translation of tongues, so the tongues may be shorter or longer than the interpretation. Last night, there's a translator that's translating everything that's being said in, uh, from English into Korean. So she's saying word for word what we're saying, or whoever's on the stage. That's translation. Interpretation is the sense and the meaning of a word. Okay? So that's different than translation. And it's like, this is the sense and the meaning of the word that was given in tongues. The gift of tongues plus interpretation of tongues is equal to the gift of prophecy. Now... Again, in the body of Christ, oftentimes in the last maybe, oh, 20 years, we haven't seen this gift in operation as much, um, in my observation, at least in America, unless there's certain churches that you might see this more. But when I was younger, I would say I saw it a bit more, but I feel like it's one of the, some of the gifts that are lost a little bit. And, and this is my opinion as to why. I don't actually think it's because God's not doing it. I actually think it's because maybe... My generation and those younger than me saw it used in a way that we were like, okay, give me any of them gifts, but just don't give me the gift of tongues. Dear Lord, I do not want to be the one that has to get up in a meeting and give a word in tongues. And if you're from the Pentecostal background that like I'm from, there'd be like, you know, you're like 10 years old and you're sitting in church. There's like a little lull in the music. And the same lady, you know, would get up. And you're just like, oh God, you know, it's kind of awkward. And it's kind of had a sound to it a little bit. And then the same guy would get up and be like, the Lord would say, you know, there's sin in the house. We'd be like, ah! And I'm not saying that every time it was wrong. But maybe there was a style, uh, maybe a personality part involved. And we're like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. Please don't make me do that. And so people are just like, surely I don't have that gift. <laughs> but then, you know, for, but what happens is time goes by, too. And I'm starting to see how the Lord is using it again. And where I really saw this kind of come in a healthy way was actually here in Kona. It was before I went to California. It was the first round of me being here. And I was leading the prayer room set in the prayer room. And 
I'm leading the room, and one of my staff comes up to me, and he says, hey, I think I have a word in tongues. And I'm thinking, really? Oh, oh, okay, what? You do? I'm like, so my job, because I'm the one leading the whole room, I go, Holy Spirit, is this right? Is this what's supposed to happen? I hear the Holy Spirit say yes. So I said, all right, here we go. And so I'm like, hey, everybody, we have a word right now in tongues. And I handed the mic, and I'm and honestly, I'm going, oh boy, what's gonna happen? And he just closed his eyes, and he just starts. But you could feel the authority. It, you could actually there was a feeling that came with it, and it's and he just gives this word, and then I'm like, uh oh, now comes the other part, Inter, uh, interpretation of tongues, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me on what to do. So he hands the mic back, and everyone's kind of waiting, and I went, all right, now God is gonna give someone the interpretation. Let's wait on the Lord. So while he's speaking, nobody's getting it, but we wait. And then somebody comes up and they say to me, I, I think the Lord told me what it is. And I said, all right, tell me a little bit in my ear, because I don't know what they're going to say, you know. And so uh, I'm like, that bears witness with my spirit. All right, go ahead. And so the person gives this word. We went to another place in intercession that day that we hadn't been in all quarter. Like we just went there. Something happened. So the instantly there was fruit, faith. It was God that was anointed, all that thing. I'm like, whew. I got through that one, awesome, you know. So a couple weeks later, a different staff comes up to me and says, hey, I think I have a word in tongues. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, I feel like he says yes. So I go, okay, we're going to do this. So I, I, same exact thing happens. I give them the mic, they give us the word. We and then I said, well, now we're going to wait on the Lord. Well, in that moment, my eyes were opened in the spirit to see where the spirit was. And I actually saw him rest on this lady, this girl. And she opens her eyes, and she looks at me, and I mouthed her, you have it. She goes, uh-uh. <laughs> you know what happened? The spirit lifted off of her, moved across the room, and landed on this guy. The guy comes up, and he says, I, I heard it. And the really wild thing is he goes, I'm Norwegian. It was like I heard it in Norwegian, but I'll tell you what it is in English. So in tongues, Norwegian, English, and he gives, like, gives the word. Same thing. Power hits the room, going to another place. That girl comes up to me later. She says, you're right, I did. But I was too scared. But I repented, and I'll do it next time God gives it to me. That's all you got to do. But still, he accomplished it, which makes me also kind of know how God works sometimes. If one person's not obedient, he's going to find someone that is because he's still going to do this, right? So it's real. Um, in this place, I do believe 100% that in, you, you know, this is used in the context of a public assembly, a meeting. Now, again, you have to know where you are in your context of where you are. Now, there have been many times since I've been in leadership here that I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I think I have a word in tongues. And I go, Holy Spirit? And he says, no. So my job is to then say, I, I'm the one responsible for the room. And so I'm like, that's awesome. Good job at coming up and asking that. I don't feel like it's right for right now. If something changes, I'll let you know. Now, here's what happens then, is that when you are obedient to ask permission, then you're off the hook, right? Then it's on me or whoever's leading the room. So when that person comes and says, can I do this? If, they, if I am, they're no longer responsible for that because they've done the right thing and they've submitted to the covering and the leadership of the room if they're not that person. And so then if I say no then sometimes it's not even about that person giving the word. Sometimes it's about their obedience, and sometimes it's actually about how they handle being told no. Because God's oftentimes more about our heart than he is the destination of something, right? Now, I'm then responsible. If I say no, 
because I'm scared or insecure about what might happen, then that's on me. God's got to deal with me. If I say no because I made a mistake, then it's just part of my process. So you have to understand that there are times, though, that you don't know why someone says yes or no, and you're still learning, and we're still learning. We have to have grace for everybody. The goal isn't you giving the word. The goal is you being obedient, right, and honoring the structures that God puts in place in those times. Now, there are times, though, that what happens is for the person that's leading the room, so whether it's your school leader, it's the ministry night, the person that's responsible, at the end of the day, we have to honor that part, is that sometimes the person, God's going to speak to the person responsible in a way he's not going to speak to anybody else because they're the ones that are responsible. So, but yet, as the leader, we don't want to be controlling and, you know, we have to do it all is it's about everybody hearing God's voice. But there's still a process to it. So how you use tongues and interpretation of tongues is that you would never just stand up and start giving a word in tongues unless the person leading the room goes, if anybody has anything right now, please go ahead and share it. Then there's a corporate release to, to, for anyone to share. Outside of that, you need to always ask permission. Now, again, if I'm in a context where I know that this group of people may not... Um, have ever seen anything like this or even believe it, I'm probably not going to do that. The Lord has never asked me to do something like that ever in my walk with God that, that would have caused confusion or fear. So I've never gotten up and given a word in tongues in any place that didn't already believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And I just think that God, you know, he's, he's more committed to our hearts than he is anything else. So tongues and interpretation of tongues is equal to the gift of prophecy. Now, how do you know if you have these gifts or not? Oftentimes in our settings, let's say here, outreach, it's times of prayer. We're in the prayer room. We're in worship. There could be many different corporate settings where you're praying in your prayer language and something shifts and changes. I heard some of you talk, ask me the question, can your prayer language change? Sometimes if you've noticed, if those that have been praying in tongues for a while, that if it all of a sudden shifts in a corporate time, there's a good chance that you actually have the gift of tongues. Because if you're just praying, then it just all of a sudden out of nowhere, everything shifts and changes. You're like, something just, I feel different, or the sounds coming out are different. I, and then you have to ask, Holy Spirit, is my, am I receiving a word right now? You know, most, I don't know, we've never, I've never actually seen tongues, interpretation of tongues, like on a Thursday night meeting before, since I've been here. It might have happened before. I don't know if, you know, whoever's leading would be appropriate most likely not, but there are very much appropriate times and places. So just asking the Lord, going on that journey, it's all a learning process as we go. So everyone hears from God, but only some people have the gift of prophecy and that they're meant to declare it in a public way. Everyone can have a prayer language, but that doesn't mean everyone has the gift of tongues. Okay, any questions on these? Yes. If someone gives a corporate tongue, can there be more than one inter interpretation? I have seen that be true. Um, you know, I mean, I don't find that in the Bible that there's more than one, but I, you judge things by their fruit, right? And so I've seen where somebody's done that, and there's more than one, and both bore fruit. So I was like, let God be God. Yep. Right back here. What would be the reasons why someone wouldn't receive their prayer language for a long period of time? Number one reason that I find is that they're expecting it to come differently than it does. They're expecting um, a certain thing to happen 
in their mind, they have this thing in their mind that because it doesn't happen that way, then they think they haven't gotten it. That'd be the number one reason. Or unbelief, you know, it could be many different things, but I wouldn't say, you know, it's sin. I mean, it could be sin, but most likely that's not the case. Most likely it's, it's just either the timing or, because I've prayed for so many people that had been asking for it for years, and then in a moment they get it, and most of their responses was, I probably could have done this the whole time. I just was expecting it to be different. And some people, it's very dramatic. It's intense. They're like, this is undeniable. And then other people, it's like, this is all faith right now. Does that make sense? Okay. There was some more over here. Okay, right here. So practicing it, how do you practice prophecy? Well, it would be like this, is that, you know, you're like, man, I feel like I might have the gift of prophecy. So, Lord, I'm asking that you'd give me words for my outreach team. I'm asking that you'd give me words for my school, the, the context that you're presently in. And so let's say you're asking for that. But you know how it can come. It might come in a dream. It might come in your quiet time. It might come in during worship. And suddenly you feel like the Lord is speaking to you for the whole room. In that moment, then you're like, am I supposed to release this now? Yes. So then you go, if you hear yes, then you go and ask permission. And again, that's up to the person leading the meeting. And so you would, that's how you would steward it. Going, Lord, if this is my gift, speak to me for a group of people that I'm among. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, how do you react if someone just stood up and started doing it? Like right now, if I'm teaching, right now as I'm talking to you, if someone just stood up and started to speak in tongues, most likely I would ask them to sit back down. Now, I would ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, are you trying to interrupt anything? Because that's where God does things in order in the sense of it'd be disruptive. And, but if like all of a sudden someone started speaking in tongues and two seconds later the glory cloud showed up, it'd be a little bit different situation, right? You know, I'm just like, every, you know, he does interrupt things, but rarely, you know, is it in that context. So people definitely can march to the beat of their own drum, and it's not in sync with what's happening. So just to answer your question, too, I am not afraid of getting involved in what's happening. I'm not afraid of quenching the Spirit because I love the Holy Spirit. But in my job, we are a discipleship movement. So part of my job is to disciple you and the staff. And so if I see something, that if you do something publicly, I have to address it publicly. So if you give a word that isn't right, I have to then publicly disciple you because you publicly gave it. Does that make sense? Which is awesome. Now, let's say if somebody said, hey, Amy, I feel like I have a word, and I gave him permission, right? So they give a word of prophecy. As the leader, my job is to weigh and test what they're saying. So if they say something and it's like, awesome, that's great. My spirit bears witness to it. I'm like, we agree. Let's receive this word. We believe it's from the Lord. If they got up and said something and I really felt from the Lord that this is not right. Not that they're saying something horrible. This is just not. Then I would say as a leader and an elder, I actually don't agree with that. But good job for being bold. I would totally, like, commend them and champion their boldness and their obedience, but I would have to 
help bring alignment. And what you would all feel is safe. Oh, our leaders are covering us. And that it would help you because you'd be going, is this God? I don't know if this is God. And you'd all look to your, it's normal. When something crazy happens in a room that you're not too sure, what do y'all do? Y'all look at the leader and see how they're freaking out or not. Right? If they're not freaking out, you know, you're like, okay, I guess it's okay. Are they all right? You know, I mean, I do that. Some things happen. I'm looking over at Lauren. What's he doing? You know, he's at a poker face like you wouldn't believe. But, you know, Andy and I, like I said, we've been working together for 13 years. We know each other's facial expressions and stuff. So when something's happening, you know, you learn how to communicate without really communicating at times where like, okay, he's looking at me. Is she okay? Okay, we're both good. You know, but there are times, and it's not very often, but my goal would be that somebody was always felt loved, but I also I can't violate me discipling the whole room just to make that person feel secure. Does that make sense? So if it's public, i got to disciple it publicly. Because I've had to have people removed from meetings, all that kind of stuff, just all in the day in the life of walking in the kingdom. All right, right here. Yes, so the relationship between prophecy and intercession. Intercession is you partnering with God and praying on, you know, with whatever he is. Now, there are times where you can move from intercession to where you might, from intercession, get a word. That, would def- that could definitely happen, where it's like I was interceding, I was moving in intercession, which we're all called to do, and in that place of prayer, I felt like the Lord then spoke to me something for a room of people. So that could definitely happen. Yep, right here. Yes, Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. We have to remember that the Old Testament was the Old Covenant. So they, they were the voice of God. We all now are the priesthood of all believers. Every one of us can hear God's voice. In the Old Testament, the only way you heard God's voice is if he came and spoke to you. Now we all have access to hear God's voice. So there's not as much of a need as the voice of God, right? So it's like I don't hear God for all of you. You hear God for yourself. But there are times that I hear God for us together, but it's not in the same way it was in the Old Testament. Now, prophets still, there are times that they are called to declare things. One of the differences is too, is, you know, people in the office of a prophet, they are at times allowed to bring correction, which you can take the word exhortation, and it can translate into correction to bring alignment. I, I speak on holiness, guys, I'm an alignment prophet. So part of what I do all over the world is I go into places to help them come into alignment. So the Lord will reveal through discerning of what's happening so that a base or a ministry or a person can come into alignment, right? Sometimes that means bringing correction. But what it doesn't mean is I don't get up and prophesy judgment. You know what I mean? Like if you don't repent, the Lord is going to strike the, you know, I've... I think there are very few times where that can happen. It's in the New Testament, but it's very rare. Where it was very common in the Old Testament, oftentimes. Do this, because God's holy, remember? (laughs) But now we have repentance where we didn't even, you know, we have the blood of the Lamb. It wasn't in the Old Testament, so it was very different. Um, And that really would be the primary difference. We still have prophets. They still bring guidance. They still bring alignment. They still bring correction but they are not the voice of God as we all can hear God's voice. Does that make sense? Okay. Right here? Uh, 
Is it possible that someone's praying for you in tongues and you understand just for yourself? Anything's possible. Um, but I will say this. The only time that you need an interpretation of tongues is if you're addressing a room or a person. So let's say that someone, you, you know, you're praying for somebody and you feel like God could give you a word of tongues over somebody, but then you would need an interpretation, right? If you're like, I feel like the Lord is saying this and you pray in tongues, they don't know what you're saying. They, and then if you did and they, did you feel like the Lord spoke to you through that? If they said yes, then that's a little bit different. But now it's different in that we all are used to people praying. Well, most of us are used to people praying in tongues. So like if I'm praying with, you know, Holly, and she's like, Amy, will you just pray for me right now? You know, I'm, I'm, this is what's happening in my life. I, will just, I might just pray in the spirit, but I'm not giving her a word. I'm just interceding over her, and she's used to that. So that would be not a weird thing to happen. She doesn't need to know what I'm saying. I'm partnering with God, and it's an appropriate time to do that. But if I was like, yes, here's what I feel like the Lord's saying, and I start praying in tongues, then I would need an interpretation. Either God would have to give it to me or should include somebody else, or they would know it. So you don't want to just... what. You would never want to go up to somebody and just pray in tongues as though you're giving them a word. But you could say, hey, can I just pray? Can I intercede over you in my prayer language? And then that would, you wouldn't need an interpretation. Does that make sense? You only need an interpretation when someone needs to know what you're saying. So, for instance, all of us around here will go, hey, everybody, you know, we say this because Koreans are some of the greatest intercessors on the planet. So we go, let's all play, pray Korean style. What do we mean? Out loud, everybody at once. We're all praying in our own languages, but nobody needs to hear what each other are saying because we're not talking to anybody. We're talking to God and in a corporate intercession time. Well, it's appropriate in that time for us to use our prayer languages and without interpretation because we're not talking to anybody. We're talking to God in a corporate intercession time. Does that make sense? Okay. Right back there. Um, New Testament prophecy, prophecy, foretelling future events, or just speaking uh, for God in general. Um, honestly, the office of a prophet is very much to do with, here's what the Lord, I believe the Lord is saying. Here's what I believe the Lord is doing. Here's what I believe the Lord is going to do. And when you're operating in that role, it's just different. Okay, guys, like, listen, I, am, I operate in the office of a prophet, but at the same time, I operate like every one of us every day. So nobody is, like, always on, if that makes sense. It's like it's a part of me, yes. But, but when I get up and I'm praying, but there are times that I shift into a different gear where I feel the, that mantle on my life, if you will, or that moment where I know there's a different authority. And what I'm about to say, it's almost like the gift of faith hits me where I'm going, this will happen. And if it doesn't, then I would have to get up and own it. Does that make sense? So it's like this. I think I had an encounter where an angel showed up to my house in the form, you know, of a circuit writer because I'm a prophet. Not, and I had an assignment to then say, here's what's going to happen. So I have an encounter that leads to a movement that leads to movements that lead to all the, you know what I'm saying, right? That is because of my assignment, not just because of my relationship. I still have to steward my relationship, right? But that's how, like, he gave me maybe a lifetime encounter that will affect generations to come because of the assignment on my life. And you look throughout all the, you guys, I was here. I preached on encountering God. Remember when I took you through the word in the Ohana court of the Moses? All of they're disruptive. And so I would say that prophets that operate in that oftentimes have encounters that lead, that are become words that lead to 
history and things shifting and changing and things happening. Does that make sense? There has been a few times, I don't normally say it, but there have been a few times where the Lord in his grace and mercy has told me somebody's sin that was in places of position. I have gotten on airplanes and flown to their house, walked into their living room and said, if you do not repent, the Lord is going to expose what you're doing. You, this is your last chance to repent and to come into alignment or the whole, or the people are going to find out. They didn't listen to me, and within a very few few months, I had nothing to do with it. I never told anybody except for them. They didn't repent, and everything was exposed, and they were taken out of ministry because they refused to repent of what they were doing. I've only had to do that a few times. Thank God. It's the worst part of my job. Very, very worst, because ultimately God always wants people to come to repentance. It's up to them what they do with it. But what I've never done is I've never got up publicly and ever exposed anybody before. Um, I've never had to do that. The only reason you would ever have to do that is if someone was living in sin and you went to them, went to the brothers, you followed Matthew, and they were being, you know, disruptive, destructive to people's community, like if it was a leader. Do you know what I'm saying? So that that would, the only time that would ever be appropriate, and it wouldn't even take a prophet. It would just be the way the Bible says to walk out those sorts of things. Make sense? Okay. Right over here, back in the back. Yep. You know, so I wouldn't actually know fully. I would say if you are actually speaking a real language and you're communicating in that real language, you probably have the gift of tongues. But there's no way to know 100%. I mean, every situation could be different. It'd be one thing if someone was just praying and, and somebody understood them, then very well, then that's just their prayer language is a real language spoken on earth. If it was like they would get up and they start giving a word and they're speaking in that language. So I would say the context in which it's used. All right. Any more questions right back here? Yes, I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Okay. Any questions on tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy? Right here. Yes. Intuitive doesn't always mean you're hearing from the Spirit. Okay. So is there a difference between being intuitive and prophetic? Truly what it means to be prophetic is to hear from God. You're not prophetic if you're figuring out what's going on. Your prophetic is when you're turning into the Lord. Okay, so a lot of people call this prophetic. I can feel you. I sense this. I see this. It probably does mean you're prophetic, but you're not in prophetic until you go, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And then what do I do? Does that make sense? So it's like it doesn't make you prophetic to dream. It makes you prophetic to understand the dream. Because the wicked dream, being a dreamer doesn't make you prophetic. It just means you're dreaming. But when you understand what you're dreaming or God's giving you words to them, that's the difference. Does that make sense? So a lot of intuitive people are very prophetic. But if you live out of your intuition, then you're always going to have mixture in your flesh. Yeah. Right here. So what would you do if you give a corporate tongue and no one has interpretation? Personally, I've never gotten myself in that situation yet. Thank the Lord. Um, if I'm the one leading the meeting, I would then ask the Lord for the interpretation. And if he did not give it to anybody, then I would probably have to say to the room, I'm not really sure why. That could be that the person should have never given it. But I would have to figure that out in the moment. Does that make sense? Okay. God could give the same person both. He could. Yep. All right. Any more? 
Yes. Are people called to carry different kinds of prophecy based on your calling anointing? Yes. Um, it's a very, very, very personal story. Um, I shared it on the Ohana court when I said I had an encounter with God where I saw Jesus. And I didn't say this corporately, but one of the things that happened, the most significant part, was he actually explained to me my calling. And he said, some prophets I give dates and times to. He said, but to you I've given an authority to shift atmospheres for people to come into an encounter with God. So I don't get dates and times very often. I have a few times, but it's not normal for me to get like someone's birthday day. Word of knowledge prophecy for me is not as much. I mean, I get word of knowledge, but it's very rarely that detailed. But when I oftentimes when I prophesy, so I have friends that have the highest level of word of knowledge you could imagine. So me, them, there'll be four prophets of my generation in a room from different, different places. When they prophesy word of knowledge, it's like mind-blowing, and people feel so seen by God. When I start to prophesy, they begin to have an encounter. Oftentimes, that's, there's different authorities on it. So there's what we call, if you've got to study it all, but there's Naba prophets, ecstatic prophets. There's all kinds of prophets. Some of them, it's the bubbling up. They begin to prophesy. There's word, ecstatic, mystic. There's all, you know, revelatory. There's many different kinds, and oftentimes, they have different assignments on what they do. So yes. That's a whole nother school. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, no, you couldn't. I mean, you can pray. I can pray in tongues without making any sound in my head. I can actually, I, you know, you can get to the place where you're, I don't know, it's like where your spirit's praying, right? or really quietly. But you can operate in the prophetic through dance, art, all these other things, but not necessarily tongues. Tongues would be a language. Yep. Right there. It's like seeing is a form of how you receive revelation. Dreams is just a form of how you see revelation. You could have a dream about a healing and have the gift of healing. You could have a dream about a prophetic word. It could be discerning of spirits. It could be anything, right? And a lot of times it could be very personal. It's not any of the gifts. It's just God revealing to you what's happening in your life or what he wants to do. All right. Back in the back. Um, if you're prophesying to a person, here's what I believe the Lord's doing. It would probably fall more under word of knowledge, word of wisdom. So prophecy is usually corporate in that way. Okay, I'm going to move back into some more teaching. I'll take some more questions, but I want to make sure I get through some things, okay? All right, so here we go. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, and has an interpretation. Let all things be done for the edification. All right? I feel like we're getting antsy in the room. If you have to use the restroom, whatever. But let's, let's hone in. We got, so I know it's Friday. It's Valentine's Day, all that. But we can, you can hang with me for a little bit longer. Okay? Let's focus in. I can feel it. All right. So, what is the outcome then, brethren? So, in other words, it's saying, what's the point? When you all get together, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. The way that we sometimes experience church is we go to church, we sit there, and one or two people sing, and, and they, lead, you know, they preach. But the original church is everyone has to bring their giftings. What is the outcome then? When you all get together, we're going to have 
church, if you know what I'm saying. So they're going to have somebody who has the tongue, who has the, inter- who has the gift of healing. Could you imagine, we bring all the gifts together, we're going to bring the kingdom. And so sometimes you have to get out of the consumer mindset of gimme, 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 right? And to go, what am I bringing to the table? And it's not about you, but it's about the body. What is the outcome? That you're all encouraged, strengthened, healed, all of those things come together. That's why he says, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts, brothers, that we would know how we work together and that we would actually demonstrate the kingdom. So gifts are given by God's sovereign choice. You can want one all day long, but God's still the one that chooses to give them. Okay? Now, oftentimes what you want is is put there by God if it's for the right reasons. So if you're like, man, every time I get around sick people, my heart is moved. I just am like tired of seeing people in wheelchairs or autoimmune diseases. I just, I think about it a lot. There's a good chance that he wants to give you the gift of healing because it says that Jesus had compassion and many were healed. He was actually moved by his heart and then healing happened. So a lot of like, it's funny, you know that we have a lot of power evangelists that operate in power, and they're loud, and oftentimes they're men, and it's intense, but I've seen the meekest of young women have compassion on orphans and blind eyes open. You know, it's not a volume. You have to understand power is not a volume. It's not at a personality. You don't have to have the personality of Todd White or Daniel Kalenda to walk in power. It can look very different. Heidi Baker doesn't look like them. She holds them and rocks them. She's like, you know, she tells one of my favorite stories is she comes, she's in Africa, and she has to go meet with all of these pastors. She's like, I was so late. But I, she said, I'm walking down the road, and there's a woman sitting in the dirt that's blind. She's like, yeah, her whole message is stop for the one. So she sits down, and she asks the lady next to her, what's her name? And the lady says, she doesn't have a name. Like, what do you mean she doesn't have, she was never named. She was born blind, and she was put in the dirt. She's a grown woman, and no one ever named her. And Heidi goes, I'm going to name her. So she's in literally the dirt with her, holding this blind lady that has no name, nobody. She gives her a name. And the, she says the lady's laughing, just, ha ha, because she can hear fine. And the lady's just giggling and laughing because Heidi called her a name. She goes, I'm rocking her. I'm so late for those pastors' meetings, she said. And she goes, and I'm praying and rocking and calling her name. And suddenly, the white of her eyes God drew on the irises and all that, and she saw. I was so late for that meeting. You're just like, there was no, be healed in the name of Jesus. You know, there's none of that. Just rocking. There's one lady that they have in their ministry that rocked a dead baby for seven, eight hours, and it coughed and came back to life. Saying, there is power in the name of Jesus. Okay, so they're given by God's sovereign choice. They're imparted oftentimes by the laying on of hands. doesn't have to be that way, but oftentimes. So people go, Amy, will you pray for me to receive the gift of prophecy? Not if God doesn't want to do that. I can't pray it on you for nothing. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't give you something God hasn't ordained to give you. So people are like, oh, no, I think I asked for the wrong gift. Sucks to be you. Guess like you get the wrong one for the rest of your life. No, that doesn't work like that. He's sovereign. He's going to give you what he wants to give you. All right. They're received by asking in faith. They're operated by boldly moving in faith. And they're practiced and exercised through constant use. So it's like somebody goes, hey, may I have the gift of healing? Really? That's so cool. Tell me about some of the healings you've seen. I haven't. Oh, 
well, what do you, why not? Like, why well, I haven't really prayed for anybody. Well, how are you going to ever know, right? So it's not like you're magically one day going to see 10 people healed. It's like it all comes through exercise and constant use. The number one way to know which gift you have is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And naturally, your gifts will emerge. Honestly, that's the best way to know. You're like, I can't believe it. I was out on community outreach. I prayed for nine people. Eight got healed. Suspicious. <laughs> They're like, I've been in the prayer room for five days in a row, and three of those days, tongues just changed and welled up. Hmm. I was praying for my friends. I got five facts of information about them. I have an idea what that might. See, it's natural. As you go and do, you lay hands on the sick, you encourage one another, you go, you preach the gospel. In those moments, those gifts emerge. But how many of you guys know John Mark Dyer? Okay. John Mark's like my hero in this. I was his school leader. I love John Mark so much. But his personality is not the one I would have thought that it would have ended up with prophetic giftings. Okay? Just not what I thought. And actually, he didn't have them. But he wouldn't stop knocking. He wouldn't stop knocking. He's like, I want it, I want it, I want it. And he just kept going and going and going. He, without anybody, he started going out once a week on his own to go practice. So he'd just start trying to get words of knowledge. He'd put it in his disciplines to go out on the streets every week and do this. I remember the day he's standing up here and he starts calling out people's names and facts of information. I'm like, oh, you know what I think? I think God was like, fine, John Mark, here you go. Because one, he didn't use his personality or his natural giftings to limit him from what was possible. He goes, it's in there and I want it. So I do think you can move the heart of God. It's still God's sovereign choice. But here's the deal. When you're faithful with little, he'll give you more. Now, this is what Reinhard Bonnke says. I'm not saying that this is 100% true, but this is what he said. He said that he was God's seventh choice, and the six men before him said no. That's what he says. And the real thing, if you read the biography of his life, he wasn't ever supposed to move in miracles, but the guy that they invited and they advertised didn't show up. And so he had to do it, and that day is when his whole life changed. I have seen two different things. I've seen people that are sovereignly given. I've seen people that are born that way. That would be me. I don't know a day where I wasn't this way, but part of that is the calling of my life. I've seen people completely one day, they're one way, and the next day they start operating in gifts. And I've seen people be so faithful that God began to give them things that other people had laid down. I don't know how all that works, but I just want to be God's first choice. And even if I'm a seventh, I want to be the, then my yes is yes. So I believe that there's many ways that God cultivates these in our life. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.1 is one of my favorite scriptures. I have it tattooed on my arm. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. It's my pursue love first, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That word to earnestly desire is the only place in the word that it says this. It actually means to want them so bad that he wants you to lust after them. It's the only way it says that. Now, here's the deal. That's how much he wants us to walk in power. Why? So that the body can benefit and know him. It's not about your identity. Your identity is sealed at salvation. If you never operate in one gift, it's not going to change how God views you. He loves you completely. So it has nothing to do with your identity. It has to do with you releasing the kingdom and the love of God from your life. So all operation of the gifts must come from the pursuit of love. 
That is why the Lord broke me so intensely when I was young. And the, honestly, you know, like it's still uh, humbling for Andy to affirm me like he just did. Because he knows what I said, like, like what he said. It's because of the brokenness that I won't touch it unless there's love involved. You guys, I've been given many opportunities to stand in places that I would not, that would be way more uh, well known. But I won't touch it because if it's not rooted in love and it's not God, I don't want it. I don't want it at all. In fact, I have an abhorrence towards it. Like I just, ah, nope. No one can pressure me to do something. It has to come from the place of love. It's so in there. So pursue love. If I don't have God's heart, I'm not doing it. So I remember one time I had to actually bring a correction and confrontation to somebody, and I was mad because what they were doing was one of the areas that I'm like, Mama Bear wants to hurt you right now because you're taking advantage of people. And I'm like, I want to tear him up one side, down the other. You mess with the wrong couple kids, right? Like that part. And the Lord goes, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I had to like fast and pray for two weeks before he would allow me to say anything until I came into the alignment of the heart of God. And then it all worked out. And now they're awesome leader and walking in all of it. And I'm like, Whew. but I couldn't go there until the Lord brought the love of his love for them in that situation. So the gifts of the Spirit are freely given in an instant by the Holy Spirit. We don't deserve them, we don't earn them, and we don't do good works for them. They come on the basis of God's grace alone. Again, they have nothing to do with how good you are. And actually, if you ever start thinking that your relationship with God is going really good just because you're operating in your gifts, then you're going to get in deception or out of alignment. So you can be like, not doing good and operating gifts because God wants to meet with somebody. So we have to, how do we know if our relationship with God is good? It's by the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, love, long-suffering, uh, you know, rooted and grounded in the truth. All of that determines actually how we're doing. So, you know, like when you get married, it's a huge, like, check. If, if I'm not doing good here, then I then there's something off. If I'm as a parent or even as a roommate, if all of a sudden you're walking in power but all your roommates think you're a jerk, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there has to be that place that you know has nothing to do with how good you are. So the gifts are in us, our strength and in us by our willingness to take risks and fail. A believer does not possess the gifts. In other words, as nobody is all all word of knowledge are always full of faith. The believer receives the gifts from God to be used to meet a specific need at a specific time on a specific occasion. And they operate by his grace. And, that, and we have to remember that it's still him through us and we're led and guided by him. The gifts of the spirit have nothing to do with the building of character and do not prove you have Christ-like character. So that is why people can be living in sin and still operate in gifts. Because when God gives them, they're irrevocable. He doesn't take them away because of our bad behavior, which that means is scary. Because that means we don't follow people because of their giftings. We follow people because they look like Jesus. And if we ever start feeling really good about ourselves because we're operating a lot of gifts, that's where we got to check it and go, okay, well, how am I really doing? I want, I want to be known for love, not prophecy. Okay, I want to be known for kindness. I want to be known for patience. I don't want my gravestone to say she was a prophet. I want to say she's the friend of God and she loved well. Um, and so what happens is we see that sometimes, like I said some stories earlier when I was speaking on holiness, that I have friends that are no longer walking with the Lord or have fell in, fallen into sin and lost their ministries, their marriages, their lives. But oftentimes they still operate in power 
during all of some of that. And that's why we see the more well-known somebody is, is when if they end up falling away, is that it's so harmful to people. But it is possible to fully operate in your gifts and not be aligned with God. Eventually, it will reveal itself, and oftentimes the enemy will just let it go because he's hoping it keeps building and so that it has the most destruction. If ever the enemy's not opposing you, then something's wrong. You know, that's where you go, hold on, why is this getting too easy? And that's where there's something real to that. So I wished it was different, but it's not. That's what makes me have the fear of the Lord. I can have five crazy words and do all this stuff, but that I never think that's because I'm really great. And honestly, that also helps me when I'm not having a lot of stuff happen. It doesn't make me worried that something's wrong. Because as long as me and him are good, we're good. So all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are supernatural, and every Christian should have the manifestation of these gifts in their lives. Otherwise, we're living outside of the revealed will of God for our life and beneath our privilege in Christ. So is it a sin? No. But it's like this. If your parents give you a brand new car, here's the keys. And every day you looked out the window, you washed your car, but you never drove it. Would it be a sin? No, but it would be a bummer. God gave you keys to gifts that he said, take these and go into the world and do what I've done. So ask God to give you gifts, believe you receive them, and step out in boldness. Now, I have operated in all nine gifts of the Spirit, but my gifts that I operated in continually is word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and then even more discerning of spirits. So most people have one predominant and oftentimes a couple in that same category. Most people. Now, not everybody, okay? And it doesn't have to be just that category. So some people can have a word of knowledge and a healing gift, a faith and a prophecy gift. It can work like that for sure. But it helps us just know kind of how for teaching purposes why I do this. So every person, at least God wants to give you at least one. But here's the deal. Why am I operating all nine? Because he needed somebody to do it that day. So it was like, well, today he wants to do this. Here I am, Lord. And so I never operate. You know, it's like I've only operated in, in other things a few times. Maybe it is. But he needed that day. And sometimes it stays. There are people that I know that they go, I operate in this, and then all of a sudden on this day, I begin to operate in these giftings. The one I want real bad is the gift of healing. Like, it's just not my gifting so far. I've seen people healed because lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. I'm contending for it, though. I definitely want that gifting, and I'm hoping that I can be like John Mark where I keep knocking and God says, okay. You know, oftentimes the glory and healing are related, so I'm thinking, okay, we're moving towards it. But... You know, I've, I've seen some just, I've seen things done in so many different ways that I never want to put it into a box, okay? Because God is God, and he is sovereign, and he chooses, and he decides, and he directs, and I trust that process. All right, any questions on anything now? Yes. I can't because I don't know what they said, and I, I'm not sure. All right. Any other? Yep. Yeah. So, so if there's a few that you've walked in slightly, I would ask the Holy Spirit if that slightly was a little bit more. Because a lot of you actually already have. Like you already have indications. You already have moments. You already have things that you're like, man, I think I've been this way my whole life. And now it's going, Holy Spirit, I want to walk in the fullness of what you have. But remembering it's not about you. 
It's about you being obedient, but it's about you being the hands and feet and voice of the Lord, right? Okay. Sorry, you're going to have to say that again. I can't hear you. Yep. Uh, I don't know anybody that has 100% faith all the time. But right now, I mean, listen to Andy. I gave you this example. Is he walking in the gift of faith? Yes. Is he walking in the gift of faith in every area? No. But he is for his specific area he's called to. Right? So... Lauren, missions, right? Some people have the gift of faith for what their assignment, if you will. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Right here. So what happens you're on hour outreach, you come across somebody that needs deliverance. First of all, just because someone's demon-possessed doesn't mean it's my job to deliver them. I have to ask the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, I, I, I like to assume that I should, but I, I shouldn't assume. Is that, Lord, is this, is this supposed to be right now? No, it's different. There's two different things. If a demon-possessed person's coming at me, they just come into my sphere of authority. That's a little bit different. Now, if I go in and, so it's like right now, there's a lot of mental illness on the streets, homeless, right? So there, there are a lot of people even right here in Kona. I don't go down and look for them to pray for them to be delivered unless the Lord directs me to do so. Now, it's different if I'm in a meeting. Let's say we're, you know, I'm running a meeting and someone begins to demonically manifest. That's different because it's my sphere of authority, right? So you got to know what God's calling you to do. So we have lots of YOM stories where they're called to go into a village. I have a, uh, and there was a, one girl that was demon-possessed, and she was tied up on a rope like a dog because of the level of demon possession she was, and a YWAM team fully went in and delivered her, and the whole team, uh, the whole village got saved. I mean, but they didn't know what the heck they were doing. God's grace just showed up in that situation. But you don't want to assume just because you see something, it means it's your job to fix it, because, I, because we don't know how many more people Jesus was around, whether he did or didn't on that day. We don't want to assume we're not. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And as far as how you do it, guys, the number one way to get someone free, first of all, is lordship, okay? So here's what I don't do. I'll just give you a quick deal. You're not trying to escalate the situation. So what I always try to do is calm the situation down. What's your name? What's their name, you know? And I'm trying to say, hey, I'm Amy. How are you doing? You know, like I'm trying to get them in so that they can come into the right mind to then confess their sin and come into lordship. If they're already a Christian, again, there's times to calm them down and so that they can then get to the root of why it's there. Because if I'm just going, but there are times where I can't get it, and so I've had to go, I silence you now in the name of Jesus, and the demon has to shut up, and then we can get to it. It just depends on the situation, right? you got to remember some people have more authority in this area than others, but just like some people have more authority in healing. I was, I've been in meetings. I was in a meeting with Bill Johnson in the early days, and this lady began to manifest in the front row, and he goes, silence. She goes, eh. I was like, Oh, dang, that's authority, man. I was like, whoa, did you see that, you know? So you got to know there's authority on different levels. You know, like Daniel Kalinda has crazy authority in this area. But I'll tell you, I was my Brazil story, I'm, because of the first, I've been to Brazil a number of times over the years, and uh, a few times ago, I was releasing the word on reformation about what's going to happen in that nation. So I'm going in the office of a prophet in many ways. And that night, it's like, 
15 minutes before I'm about to stand on a stage in front of about a thousand young Brazilians, college students. And literally, like in the, one of the safest towns of all of Brazil, 15 minutes before the meeting, I got held at gunpoint. And in this situation, they normally kidnap you. It's crazy, all this. And Philip was in the car with me and our translator and a pastor's wife. And out of nowhere, this guy, you know, 45 in the window, here we go. I'm like, oh boy. And, you know, your mind's going a million ways. And Philip can't get, if my husband was probably near him, it would have been a little bit different story, but uh, he wasn't. He was on the other side of the car. And he goes, well, Jesus, you're going to have to show up now. That's what he, like, says to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the gunman and starts, he's yelling all this stuff. I don't know what's about to go down. And he just looks me straight in the eyes. And he looks at Philip straight in the eyes. And, and all of a sudden, he just lowers the gun and starts screaming, get out of here. I was like, I had to hit the stage 15 minutes later. You're like, I just, blah, blah, blah. I mean, talk about fired up to release the word on Reformation. I'm about died for this one, you know? And so all of the guys were like, this never happens here. And I'm like, yep. But still, it was a supernatural moment of intervention where Philip's like, God, you got to show up right now. And you see these times where you have authority in the right moment. Never practiced that one before outside of simple obedience. Make sense? Okay. Any other? Right back here. Ask the Holy Spirit. Honestly, guys, that's my, he's, he's called your teacher. If something continually happens, then you know. If it's like, one, is that a one-time thing? I don't know. We'll find out. So much of this is by walking with God. That's how walking, being discipled, yes, but walking with God. Does that make sense? I know you want more specifics, but I can't give them to you because then I will be boxing something in that I don't want to do because let God be God. All right? All right. Right back there. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead and get my notes right off there. All the scriptures that I read to you about in 1 Corinthians, to some he's given this. It doesn't say to the apostles, to some he's, you know, and then go throughout all of the New Testament of them using him. Does that make sense? So it's not just a one, here you go, but you have to read it in context of the whole thing. All right. That they both have a similar gifting? Yeah. yeah, because in the same way, it's like this. I've had uh, young seers or people that come around me, and they're seeing something, and they're like, Amy, do you see this too? And I'm like, nope. And they're like, oh. I'm like, well, just because I don't see it doesn't mean you're not seeing it. Because God may open your eyes and not mine right now. Does that make sense? Nobody's all seeing. Only God. So I don't care if somebody thinks they see everything. They don't. There's, it, it's impossible. Right? God could open your eyes to see everything in one moment, but we may hear and see. That's why we know in part and see in part. You know, we, we know in part. We know one knows the whole thing. Yep, right here. Yep, so her question is, can you be, uh, can you be a discerner and not... 
be a seer, just a feeler. Most discerners aren't seers. I mean, only some are. Seeing again, remember, is just how you receive the revelation. So just because you're seeing doesn't mean you're discerning. <laughs> Probably means you need to learn to be discerning, but it doesn't make you discerning. And a lot of people feel, um, a lot of people just know. To, to perceive that word means to know by feeling. When Jesus was in the crowd and the woman with the issue of blood came and grabbed his garment and she was healed, he said, I perceived Someone touched me. What do you mean? Everyone's touching you. Nope. I felt power leave my body. He literally had a feeling. He didn't see her. He didn't feel her. He felt power leave his body by a feeling. See, yes. So when it says that all things work to good for those who love him. So when the enemy tries to take us out, all things work to good for those who love him. When we love God, the very thing that we are hit with or we're attacked with or the injustices in our life, it doesn't mean that God's okay with them. It doesn't mean that he likes them. It doesn't mean that he causes them, but he can redeem them. And he can redeem them in the place of actually giving you authority when you come out of the other side of it, when you get healed, that you actually have authority to see other people get healed. Or like, let's say you are a victim of, you know, child abuse. That's horrible. There's nothing about that that God's okay with. Actually, it makes him angry. But when you walk through inner healing, how many more people that have been abused will you be able to then walk through healing? So you have authority in healing. You don't have authority because you've been abused. You have authority because you walked through healing to then release healing on other people, right? So it's the Lord can redeem all of those things that the enemy meant to take you out with, right? But it does, the Bible is full all through the New Testament about the sufferings of Jesus, about us partaking in his suffering, about trials and tribulations. It's all throughout the word. Uh, what gift would you, uh, he asked, knowing how the rooms, part of it's leadership, okay? Like God talks to the leader where he wants to go oftentimes. Some of it has nothing to do with what gift here to know what God wants to do in a room. It's because you're the leader. Okay, for instance, you know, you saw that Andy and I have been working together for a lot, long time. We couldn't be more opposite in how we operate. In the early days, it caused a lot of iron sharpening iron. I mean, we've worked on a relationship like crazy. But like an angel could be dancing around Andy, and he wouldn't know that that's what that was. But man, he can lead a room and know where to go. And he doesn't see. He doesn't necessarily feel. He knows. Why? Because he knows the Lord. Is he hearing? It's like, I don't know. I just know that I know. He has a sense. If, in other words, it's almost like that's part of the, how God speaks is I just have a sense and a knowing. And if I go, well, how did you know that? I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it. And it was been right again and again and again and again. That is discernment on the direction of a room without any of the feels that go along with it. Honestly, guys, if you don't feel or see, awesome. Okay, there's, there's a blessing to both. There's a challenge in both. But we all have blessings and challenges, right? Yeah, right back here. Yep. I literally just was in Colorado Springs. I taught a whole week just on the prophetic. So what you're talking about is a whole, literally, a second-level course that's all, all that. Uh, just on how to walk on the prophetic and, and what you're saying. Guys, the only thing I know is when, 
It's my job to judge prophecy that's spoken to me. So I don't care who gives you a word, me, any prophet, anyone. If it doesn't feel right to you, you do not have to receive it, okay? I probably spend a little bit of time breaking false prophetic words off of people that they didn't know that they didn't have to receive, okay? So it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I've never heard that from God. Most prophetic words should always be confirming of something you've already heard from him, okay? So if it's like, you know... Right now, if somebody was to come and say, I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that you're supposed to go to medical school and become a doctor, that would not be God. Because I already know what I'm called. It's out of left field. I mean, I might go, no. Right? So I don't assume. I just know. I weigh and test it. I've had people come and try to tell me all kinds of things, and I'm like, that's not actually true. Then there's things where I don't know. So I call, you put them on the shelf. Could be God, might not be God. Lord, if it's you, here you go. I can't do anything about it, and I'm not sure. Then I have those things that I'm going, this is God. This is confirming. It bears witness with my spirit. It's right. Then I go, how do I steward these words, God? Right? How do I walk these out? Wild story is that this whole Argentina deal is interesting for me. Because when I was 19 years old, 19, just out of ministry school, I was in this meeting. This Argentinian uh, revivalist comes to the meeting and calls me out of the meeting and says, one day you're going to go to Argentina. There's going to be a revival. And he says, everything that I've carried, I want to pray and impart over you. And he, and he says, they're going to call you mother in the nation of Argentina. I have one of the most massive encounters where that was the day that I heard I was called to mission, so I didn't understand it then. Because I've never been to Argentina, but I will be in a couple months. And I'm going. I'm going to be 40 in two weeks. I got that word when I was 19. The Lord's never told me to go to Argentina until now. And I'm thinking, who would have thunk that when I finally went, I went with the Sen to re-see the revivals of Argentina that a man gave me in a crazy meeting when I was 19 years old to say I have a little bit of like expectation would be true. I'm kind of scared to be honest because I'm going, and I was just at the Sen and Claudio Friesen runs up to me and and gives me a big hug. I'm like, you know who I am? I, I don't even know how he do. Just crazy stuff. I'm like, huh, been stewarded in that one for 20-some years. Lauren Cunningham's been stewarding his waveward now for, oh, you know, 60-some, right? So you got to know, Lord, what's the timing on this? Sometimes we think, God's not, he's not doing it. How do you know? Right? We... Oftentimes, guys, people get the word right, they get the timing wrong. The number one way that prophetic people get wrong, the number one thing they get wrong is usually the timing. Honestly. That's if I was to get something wrong, rarely in I look at my life and the word and giving words, most of the words I've gotten right, sometimes I've got the timing wrong or the interpretation wrong. So I thought it meant this, and then I go, oh, that's not what that meant. Years later, I'm going, that's what that meant. Right? And so we have to just continually take our words before the Lord with hands open. When do I partner with you? Like you right now, some of you might be burning for a nation. Everything in you saying go. Some might be called to go right now. Some of you, God says, hey, an hour after DTS, I'm going to send you to university. And you're like, no. Uh-uh. I'm going. 
And you're like, but why, God? Because I'm going to give you this degree. And when you get this degree, you're going to be the key to open that nation because only a person with that degree could have had it. Shut the front door. You know what I'm saying? You're like, no. Guys, one of the greatest keys right now that we have is RTC. Who would have thought God would have used CrossFit gyms to get into nations that nobody else can get into? God. That isn't very spiritual. Yes, it is. Right? So you got to know that sometimes things don't always make sense. Why are you telling me this and to do this and then to do that? Did God tell Abraham to kill Isaac? Yes. Did he tell him to not then, later? What if he went, nope, heard you the first time, killed a son. That had been a bummer. <laughs> Good thing, you know. Isaac's, no, it's God, it's God, right? Can God tell you something and then change it? Uh-huh. He can. Why? Because he was really just seeing your heart. What was he doing with Abraham? Checking his heart. Would he be actually willing to do that? Good thing he heard him the second time, too. Could God tell you to go here only then to get you somewhere else? Mm-hmm. He's done it to me. Guys, my worst career move was entering YWAM. But it fulfilled my destiny. I would have known. But you know what's funny is that most of my friends, and this is not about me, but most of my friends that were, have the same gifting as me, they're in one or two streams of the body. When I joined YWAM and then Lauren affirmed the gifts of God in me, I now have access to every nation and every Christian denomination in the world. <laughs> Gave up a lot of stages, but it doesn't matter because I'm working for something that's different. Um, can we have one of the girls that you had on the piano? We're going to move gears a little bit. You might have questions, but I do too. <laughs> We're going to jump on the keys for a second. We've got 15 minutes. Let's just see what the Lord might want to do. You know what's so funny is that most people are like, Valentine's Day, it's so commercialized. I won't give in to all that. It's my favorite holiday. I love it. Philip was like, you do? Yeah. I just like walking to stores, looking at all the pretty stuff. I just, why? Because I love love. Not just romantic love. One of my, one guy I knew, he's a prophet, he's no longer with us. His, his name is Bob Jones. Bob Jones, I got to be around him for a while. And he says, I'm God's valentine. We're like, he's like, yep, he's my valentine. Bob died on Valentine's Day. We're all like, stinking Bob, he's a prophet. He did that on purpose. He said, are you kidding me? God literally took Bob home on Valentine's Day. I'm just saying. It might be commercialized, but count it all joy. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I thank you. Mm. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all that you're doing that just today what a what an epic day holiness to revival and supernatural rain gifts of the spirit mm -hmm. thank you holy spirit